the Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. I'm honored that you're here. It's a very special show today. We have one of my all-time favorite singers, T. Graham Brown. He's going to be talking about a number of things, including his brand new album. It's called Bare Bones. This is my second time getting to interview T. Graham Brown. The last time it was audio only. This time around there is a video version. You can watch it on YouTube or you can find it on the website at thepaulleslie.com. You hear that new theme song? That is Karina Karina, the traditional folk blues song performed by John Primerano. John Primerano is a great pianist, songwriter, and vocalist up in Philadelphia. I'm very honored that he recorded and performed the song that you're hearing. If you want to support the Paul Leslie Hour, you can do so. Just go to thepaulleslie.com. You're going to find a button that says support the show. From there, you can make a contribution via PayPal. Any amount, small, medium, large, it's all very appreciated, and it keeps this show and these interviews coming to you. With no further ado, I present the interview with T. Graham Brown, singer, recording artist, and all-around great guy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined with one of the greatest, if not the greatest, voices in country soul. He's a returning guest on the Paul Leslie Hour. He's got a new record coming out. It's an acoustic vocal album, and it's called Bare Bones, appropriately titled. He's a great singer, recording artist, performer. He's a radio personality on Sirius XM. He's got a show, Live Wire. It's a great honor, a great pleasure to welcome T. Graham Brown. Thanks, man. What a sweet introduction. You forgot to say all-around great guy, but I'll, I'll throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, good to be with you, man. You know, you had mentioned Bare Bones. That came out August the 9th, I think it was. We, You know, I've been spending a lot of time in Nashville this year uh, during all the craziness, and I thought, man, I ought to get, because Sheila had been after me to do an acoustic greatest hits album. So I thought, man, I'll get Bobby Terry, who's an awesome guitar player, and Michael Lust to sing background vocals. So I just went in and we basically not, Bobby Terry was so fast. I mean, he was finished by, I think he started at 10 and he was finished by like two or, 2.30, and then I sang. It didn't take long to do it all. Michael Lust knocked this stuff out in one day. It's pretty simple, but people are saying that they really like it, so I'm I'm glad. I've, I've heard a bunch of good uh, acoustic albums, you know, in my life, so I just kind of wanted to throw one out there and see what people thought. I was reading in a magazine the other day that there is a trend moving towards simple stripped down recordings these days. So I don't know if you knew that you were actually, you you were going with the times, but I can understand why in, in this high tech age where we've got things that are so, so, you know, sometimes they're so 
complex. It's it's so nice sometimes just to hear something that's simple. Well, you know, this album is, you know, it's not some big earth-shaking idea or project or anything, but it's really cool. Acoustic albums, I think, are pretty cool because the lyrics are right there in your face. So you can, uh, I sing and always have, where you can understand the lyric, what I'm saying, that you can li- understand, you know, the words. I've listened to a lot of bands and I'll think, dang, what is he saying up there? What is she saying up there? I can't understand. Because I think, you know, the lyric, heck, that's half or more of the song to me. But yeah, these lyrics and the songs, my vocal loss right in your face. So you got to love me or hate me because it's right there. Well, this is always a hard question for recording artists, but I'm curious to know, is there a track from Bare Bones that you think this is the home run? I don't know. You know, the fans out there have told me different ones. I'm always partial to uh, either Hell in High Water or Wine into Water, a couple of those water songs. I really enjoy that. But, heck, man, you know, the songs on this album were hits for me, and I love them all. I wouldn't even be talking to you if it weren't for those songs. So I'm, I'm happy to sing them every show. I still get a kick out of it. And yeah, man, I, I, I like them all. I don't know if you saw this book that Bobby Braddock put out where you are illustrated uh, or the song is illustrated for Hell or High Water. Have you seen that? No. Oh, I, man. What's that? No, I have not. Well, what do you mean it's illustrated? Well, there's a book that Bobby Braddock put out where he goes and he explores what he thinks are some of the best songs ever. And I think it was Hell or High Water in there. And he drew, or he had an illustrator, Carmen Beecher, and he writes about that song. And then there's an illustration that goes with it. You should check it out. It's called uh, Country Music's Greatest Lines, but you're featured in the book. Wow, now isn't that cool? Because I love Bobby. I met Bobby, golly, what a great songwriter. I met him in probably 1982. Yeah. I would go over to Tree International. He was one of the writers over there. And I sang a lot of those Tree Writers demos. They had a studio downstairs. A guy named Terry Choke produced most of them. And I would see Braddock. All these legendary writers would be in that building. Harlan Howard, I'd see him. Uh, Curly Putman, you know, the guy who wrote Green Green Grass at Home. Just a lot of Kim Williams. Just so many uh, writers walking the halls of that building. It was really cool to be in that building. And I got to know a lot of people that way, man. Singing demos. I got to meet a lot of great writers because I was singing songwriter demos <laughs> and the songwriters would nine times out of 10 be there. So I was, you know, singing their song. I was demoing their song so they could go out and pitch it to artists and producers. So 
I met so many great writers. That, that was a fun time, man. Who would you say is the greatest songwriter in Nashville today? Today? Gee whiz. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I got to be honest and say I don't really keep up with it. Um, I'm so far out of the loop as far as that goes. I, I hear names every now and then. Um, I think Red Akins is doing really well. I think there's a guy. What's his last? His last name's Davidson. I can't remember what his first name is. There's a there's a lot of them that are writing uh, hit songs, but I don't really know. I don't really know who they are. Mm -hmm. That's a whole. It's a whole different new generation of people, artists and songwriters. So I don't really know uh, who's who because I just don't keep up with it that much. Mm -hmm. T. Graham, what would you say the best compliment that you've gotten as a singer, as a recording artist has been? That I don't sound like anybody else. <laughs> That's probably the biggest compliment I get. You know, I, I, I'll be scanning through the radio sometimes and I think, dang, man, so many people sound alike. And I've always been told that when I come on the radio, people know exactly who it is because I don't sound like anybody else. And that's a great compliment. And I've had, man, I've had a wonderful career. I came along at a time where I was able to go out and work with and get to know, and they actually liked me, all my heroes. I tell people I got to work with and get to know all the one name people like Willie and Waylon and Merle and George and Tammy and Conway and Loretta and Kenny and Dolly and all these people, you know, that you've heard of all your life. And so I've had, I've had a wonderful career, man. I'm, I really have. I'm, I'm very happy and satisfied. My wife, Sheila and I, They've been together 42 years and we've weathered a lot of storms and, um, and this year has just been, uh, really tough on everybody and, you know, in the United States, but it's been tough on us because our shows have been canceled because of social distancing and, uh, you just can't get enough people in a place really for the promoter to make any money. So we've had all our shows rescheduled for next year, and I'm hoping we can get out and do them next year. But it's just been a weird year. I, I'm we've been, you know we've been doing a lot of things that we would have never thought to do this year, especially Facebook Live. You know we, we weren't doing any of that stuff, and we started doing Facebook Live shows. Uh, we've been doing some things called uh, shows that, that I host, and it's called Hats Off to the 80s and 90s. You know, the 80s and 90s uh, country music, it it's kind of seems like to me I can feel it having a comeback because we had a packed year booked. We had probably the most shows of this year than in the last 15. Yeah, this was the biggest year we've had in a long time. And it's just dumb luck that it 
got postponed. But I do these shows uh, called Hats Off to the 80s and 90s. The music continues, and, and we give the money to the Troy Gentry Foundation. Troy Gentry, you know, was half of Montgomery Gentry, and tragically, he was killed in a helicopter crash about three years ago or so. Dang, I remember it was the same day Don Williams died, and his uh, wife, Angie, is carrying on the foundation. And so we go to this nightclub in Lebanon, Tennessee. It's just outside Nashville. It's called Cahoots. It's a honky-tonk. Real, it's a really nice, clean place. And so I've been able to put a great band together to back up all these artists. So I call up my pals, and they they can't really say no because I know they're at home because <laughs> they're not out touring. <laughs> and I've had a lot of uh, different people on it. I know we got one coming up Thursday night. It'll be our third one. And I got Larry Stewart from, you know, the voice of Restless Hard and uh, Tim Rushlow, the voice of uh, Little Texas. I got uh, Ty Herndon, uh, Mark Colley, if you remember Mark. Uh, the old jukebox junkie himself, Ken Mellon, is one of my favorite. And uh, we, we had a special surprise guest, but the uh, cat got out of the bag. So we're having Heidi Newfell from uh, Trick Pony is coming by. So we have a good time, and I think tickets are like 30 bucks. All the money goes to the Troy Gentry Foundation, which benefits uh, breast cancer research. And um, see, Angie had breast cancer, so that's one of their pet charities. and aid to military families, music programs, and they always have some great auction items and all of it's donated. The artists don't charge any money, so it's a great... I mean, these guys sold millions and millions of records in that era, and you can come to that place and be right up close and personal with some of your favorite artists, so it's a lot of fun. So we've been doing stuff like that. Uh, things that you wouldn't ordinarily done. And it's like doing the bare bones album. It's just been an interesting year. (laughs) Well, as you said, there's been some things this year that, you know, we wouldn't have happened if, if all this stuff hadn't have come about. I'm curious, what would you say? Because there is always a silver lining. There's always a blessing. What has been the biggest blessing this year for you? Well, the human spirit, man, you can you can figure stuff out if you sit down and think about it. Like, for instance, man, a friend of mine has a, a studio in the basement of his house. It's a little TV studio. He turned his basement into a TV studio. So actually, it's a cool place. And he calls it the 615 Hideaway. 615 <laughs> is the area code for Nashville, for those that don't know. And so I got together some 80s and 90s artist friends of mine, um, Wade Hayes. Do you remember Wade? Wade Hayes, Brian White, David Frizzell, Ronnie oh, wow. McDowell, um, uh, golly, bum. You know, I had Lulu Roman from Hee Haw, who's one <laughs> of my favorite people, and Hee Haw is one of my favorite shows. 
I'm I'm on the show. So we did it and we put it on Facebook. And that thing, right off the bat, it had almost 800,000 views, just crazy because everybody posted it. And so they put us in for, I'd never heard of this award called the Telly Awards. They have a big thing every year in New York, you know, a ceremony, but they had to cancel it. But we were up against Netflix and uh, Good Morning America, some heavy hitters, and we won one. So that was fun. So we just done a lot of stuff that you that you wouldn't think of. But, you know, I think the human spirit, we just keep going, man. Everybody's trying to stay relevant. I'll be 66 in a few days, and I'm having the best time I've ever had. I, I got a show on Sirius XM Radio now that's on Prime Country Channel 58, which is the 80s and 90s uh, country music channel. And I call it Live Wire. I get to play live cuts from my friends' live albums. And I have six guests per show. And then I always have a special guest that I interview. But it's, I play two songs per guest. And it's like going from concert to concert. If you're listening to it, you can kind of close your eyes and and it's like going from concert to concert. It's, it's, it's a fun show, and apparently it's doing well because they signed me up for another year. So I've been getting to do stuff like that that I wouldn't ordinarily thought that I would have the opportunity to do. And you know what I got to do? I've done the Grand Ole Opry about 300 times. But Trace Atkins and a friend of mine, a Southern gospel artist named Jason Crabb, who's soulful, great singer, and the three of us were on stage at the Grand Ole Opry sitting on stools. And I've got some pictures that people took. Uh, the Opry has a staff photographer. And they took pictures of our backs basically facing out to an empty 4,500-seat empty theater. And it was the weirdest feeling but, you know, in a, in a way, it was cool. Um, that It's a show at the Opry that I'll never forget because it was so weird. And so there's been a lot of things happen this year that are like one-offs. I can picture that in my mind. I've heard about those, you know, those shows without the audience there. And as much as it, it, there's that, that little bit of me that feels sad, of course, but then there's this other thing that just, it's its kind of, um, I don't know. There's something about it that feeds my imagination. Well, it's surreal. Yeah, that's the word. It's surreal. And they've been showing on, there's a new network that the Opry on, well, it's, the company's called Ryman Hospitality, I think now, named yeah. after Ryman Auditorium. But uh, they have a network called Circle Network where they broadcast the opera shows. And then in Nashville, they'll own the local Channel 4 here, which is a big, I think they're an NBC affiliate. Uh, on Saturday nights, they've been airing the Opry on Channel 4, so everybody in Nashville can watch it live. So it's just, like I said, man, it's just been a crazy year that, Things happen that would have never happened before, and I've been able to be a part of a lot of it. It's been a fun. Other than 
other than not being able to go out and make a living, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. I want to share something. The last time that we spoke um, was back when Forever Changed came out, that that last album of yours, which that that was that is such a great album. But I wanted to tell you that when we were we, when we took the interview that we recorded, it was just audio. We went back to the studio and Henry Jordan, the man who was my audio engineer in those days, Henry never, ever comments almost never on the music that we would play. He's just not that kind of guy, but he likes the kind of like soul blues kind of vocalist. Like he's a big Delbert McClinton fan. And so when we were doing the T Graham Brown episode, he was like, I know who that is. Um, but almost every single cut that we were playing of you, he was like, man, that's great. And then we would play another cut. He would say, oh man, this guy is awesome. And then the next cut, man, that is an awesome song. And he commented on almost every single song that we played on that hour. Well, that's, makes me feel good you know i'm i'm a huge delbert fan too and <laughs> delbert was has been an influence on me and I, I i was listening to a lot of delbert mcclinton early in my <laughs> career i can tell you that much i don't want to say i've copied him or anything but he's really taught me a lot and then you know golly he's become a friend of mine you know like so many of these artists i've been able to get to know him and uh i love delbert i really love delbert i mean i love him as an artist and i love him as a friend well on the note of friend uh we were talking before we went on the air here and we have a, a shared friendship in uh, just a great guy bruce birch and there have been so many times where I, I've just I've felt frustrated about something or I don't know, like I just I, I I feel like I feel like quitting what I'm doing or whatever. And Bruce Birch somehow would always come through in some way. And I would just feel like, you know what? I got a friend in Bruce Birch. Keep on trucking. Bruce is a good one. Yeah, I mean, we went to the University of Georgia together and he's from Gainesville and I went to high school in Athens and it's only like 40 miles away, something like that. And I, I didn't really know him that well at, in, at Georgia, but he, he had the uh, nerve to move to Nashville before I did. I was scared to move. I was comfortable down in my little cocoon. Oh, I was just saying that when I moved to Nashville, Bruce Birch, and I think, golly, who was his partner? They had a little business called the Saucy Dog. They sold hot dogs. And it was this little bitty place. You'd come up to the counter and buy hot dogs. Well, that was what he was doing. And he was writing songs on the side, you know, just trying to stay alive. Hmm. And so he introduced me around to some folks and, you know, he's had a great career as a songwriter. And then he went down to the University of Georgia and started a music business program. Um, 
and then he moved back here. I talked to him the other day. Uh, you know, he's got leukemia. He's kind of weak. I went over to uh, his place with Ted Hewitt. The, the three of us wrote a song called Wine in the Water, and we had never written another song. We wrote Wine in the Water in like 1994, something like that. And we had gone that long without getting back together to write a song. I mean, we'd been together since then, you know, palling around a little bit. But we, the, the this artist in India wanted us to write a song about the plight of the Indian farmers. So we got together to write that song. And we were talking. And, you know, uh, there's a DUI court down in Franklin, Tennessee, about you know, 30 miles south of Nashville. And the judge will call me up and ask if I'll come down and sing. They have a, they have a, uh, a kind of, well, they call it a DUI school where you go to this, uh, this school that they have set up. And if you complete the school, they'll take the DUI off your record. And then they have like a graduate, little graduation ceremony in the courtroom and the people's families will come, and it's just a neat little thing. And then the the judge is a friend of mine, and she'll call and ask if if I'll come down and sing "Wine into Water" in the courtroom, you know, for these folks. And so Ted Hewitt and I were down there, and he was playing guitar, and I was singing, and we were talking, and he said, "You know, man, it was like I looked down." And it was, uh, the song was already on the paper. He said, I don't even remember writing that song. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, it was like that for me. And so when we all three got together the other day, we were talking about it. And Bruce said, you know, it was the same way for me. So some of these songs are just meant to be. And it's all, they all come from God. It's a God gift, you know. God gifted me with a voice. And I think, I really believe that God, gives everybody a gift you know it might just be um to smile at somebody that needs a smile you know it's like you said uh uh bruce burke's making you feel better everybody has a gift and it's it's just a wonderful thing to be able to uh, make people happy like that hmm very true well I want everybody to check out this new album of T. Graham Brown, Bare Bones. Also, check out the Livewire show. It's on Sirius XM Prime, which I think is Channel 58, right? Yeah, and uh, you, if you have Sirius XM, you can go online and get their free app, and that way you can listen to all the on-demand stuff. Nice. There, you can't listen to the on-demand stuff unless you have the app. And so that way you can listen to T. Graham Brown's Live Wire to your heart's content <laughs> anytime you want to. Well, I always like to I, I end the show. I give the guest the stage. So this isn't limited to music. Could You can go anywhere you want. You can say anything you want within reason, of course, but uh, what would you say to anybody who's tuned in listening to us or watching us? Hmm. Gosh, I've never, that's a, all right, I'll come up with something. A scout 
is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. That's the Boy Scout law. <laughs> live, live by that, and you'll be all right. <laughs> That's great. And who could argue with that? I, you know, man, what's crazy is I learned that that was one of the things you had to learn when you were a scout. And that has been so, uh, like I said, I'm going to be 66. And that was probably when I was 10 years old. And somehow it stuck with me. <laughs> well, T. Graham, thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing this. Oh, you're welcome, man. Thanks for having me. It's always good to talk to you. It's an honor. If you ever need me, just call. You know who to call. So, Oh, yeah. Give us a shout. Well, thank you. Goodbye.